I'm not sure how to start, so that's how I'm going to start, is asking how I don't know. Wow. But something happened to me, and uh, I have something to say, I think. Something I want to say, at least. I'm not sure that it will be valuable to anybody else, but I am going to share it. Uh, my name is Ian. The hurricane Ian is hitting Florida today. Hopefully the worst of it has passed. I don't feel much like a hurricane, but I have, I guess, experienced a few storms in my life. I've had cancer four times. So this podcast is going to be about that. And um, I, had four can- I had cancer four times and I didn't die. And so now what do I do? kind of thought I was going to die a couple of times. And I'm going to talk about my life. It's a memoir, I guess. Uh, a memoir podcast. <clears throat> thought about writing it. But this seems a little more accessible and doable. And a memoir at 41 is, I guess, a little pretentious. Uh, but, you know, I think it's fair to say, unfortunately, that you know, a good deal of my life has already passed. And so, you know, if a caveman did a memoir at 30, we wouldn't judge him because he ain't going to get to 50, you know what I mean? I'm hoping to make it to 50. I think it's aggressive to plan longer than that, to be honest with you. But maybe not. Maybe that's part of what I'm going to talk about. It's called anaplastic large cell lymphoma. And um, it's uh, 20 years ago would have been diagnosed as Hodgkin. Many of you have probably heard of Hodgkin's lymphoma. There's really Hodgkin's lymphoma, and then they call all the other lymphomas non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And non-Hodgkin lymphoma can be a bunch of different things. T-cell, B-cell, various prognoses. But they realized that this variant of Hodgkin wasn't actually Hodgkin, and it's ALK positive, and it's just different. And so the treatment uh, is different. And, you know, I think 20 years ago, you get Hodgkin diagnosis, and then you die because the treatment doesn't work as well because it's not Hodgkin. And that's one of the learnings they've found um, in my experience, and I'm going to talk about the treatment stuff in future episodes, but I was misdiagnosed originally with Hodgkin. And that's part of, I think, why it's been such a, a challenge. And one of the kind of sad parts of my story is that, you know, your first crack at it is your best one, and we got it wrong in that first one. So, um, you know, it's been four cycles of treatment, of, uh, excuse me, of 
diagnosis, treatment, and recovery. And they all have their challenges. And then it happened again, so it's as many four rounds. And it's been about a decade in total. 2013 was the first diagnosis. So I'm in the 10th year, celebrate the 10th year of cancer in March. Super Bowl Sunday 2013 found a lump in an inguinal canal. Inguinal canals are these uh, lymph nodes we have on the sides of our groins. And it was just a hard lump. And um, got checked out right away and it was, it was uh, cancer. And I did a couple stem cell transplants and again, I'll talk about all of that in more detail later on. But the, uh, the experience has changed me and it's made me both softer and harder and better and worse and, and uh, affected the way I think and feel and see the world, choices and decisions I make. So I have something to say and uh, this is how I'm choosing to say it. I'm going to talk about organizing as well. I'm an organizer, a community organizer. I think we talk, there's a, there's a whole ecosystem of folks that call themselves organizers now. Defining it or qualifying it for me as a community organizer is, is sort of paramount, fundamental, like necessary for me. Because it, it's rooted in a place, it's rooted in a group of people who ultimately you're accountable to or working alongside. And it starts with this premise that, you know, there's two kinds of power in the world, organized money and organized people. And if you're focused on issues of equality, equity, you know, justice, you want things to be more fair. You want people to be treated similarly and fairly in the world. Most of the time, the people that don't experience fairness regularly don't have a lot of money. And so organized people becomes your only path to power. And I do believe that uh, the trains are great, right? I live downtown Phoenix, and the trains are just a part of the, the soundscape, and you learn to ignore them, or they just become part of it. But now that I hear them in my headphones, it's, I kind of like that. I kind of like the way they sound. And in downtown Phoenix, trains are just part of it. <clears throat> and I've grown up here my whole life, and I'll talk a little bit about that too. Um, but organizing for me is at a, well, I'm at a crossroads with it at any rate. And where I think we are and movements I've been a part of, I'm going to speak to. I come out of the immigrant rights movement, which I think will be talked about and is already being studied and researched like all historic movements. I think it's done, it's over. Like they, you know, movements don't last forever. 
they end, they have a lifespan, and I think ours is, uh, is ended. <clears throat> There's been multiple immigrant rights movements in the United States. This last one, I think, I don't know how the historians will mark it, but I think it's something like 2004, five to 2016, maybe. Uh, but it's been it's been over for a while, and the products and victories and defeats of that movement I think are something I want to think about, especially in Arizona where it's been so fundamental to so much of the organizing here. But I do consider myself an organizer, a community organizer, and that's a profession. And um, I was trained originally by some folks that take it very seriously, and I'm very grateful for that training. And there's a whole bunch of different ways to do it. I mean, you know, organizing is ultimately moving people in a direction together. You know, I want this group of people to do a thing, go to a place, attend a thing, say something collectively, put pressure on some decision maker or decision making body. And getting them to do that, there's people are so different, there's a bunch of different ways, and the internet has definitely impacted that. And so organizing is, is, in, is I think, in a transition. COVID has been disruptive. It's really hard to move people through these Zoom screens and the ways we're communicating with each other. And so it's, at least in my experience, becoming quite insular. And if organizing is not growing, it's dying. You know, if you're shrinking, you're losing. Um, because fundamentally more people is what we need. So I'm gonna talk about that. And um, I've been writing songs for the last couple of years. I've been in bands since high school with some, with some buds who are helping me now too. Um, it's a lot of, they're very sad songs, most of them. And I'm going to share them on these podcasts. So I'm going to do a song per episode. There'll be a song at the end of this one. And each episode will have a reflections and thoughts from me and then, uh, and then a song. And I think I just feel good about putting them out together. They feel really connected. The songs are all pretty, you know, there's this thing in me that, you know, I'm just such a talker. Like, I'm just a talker. I'm like a, you know, talkers, dude. Talkers are the worst. I remember I heard, heard Conan O'Brien say something like, you think I'm awful and you are only with me like an hour a day. I'm with me all day. I'm me. And I really resonated with that. It's like, yeah, it's just, a, it's rough sometimes. Um, but give that guy actually something to talk about. And it's like, I have to get it out, right? Like, this has really been pressing on me, this thing that's happened to me. That I think objectively is fairly tragic. 
Like if I saw another guy, I'd be like, man, fuck. That sucks, dude. Um, and, uh, and so I have this thing, this experience that, that I'm trying to figure out and communicate, uh, put some, I don't know, purpose or meaning to it maybe. Or maybe just describe it and try to describe it honestly and accurately. And um, so that's what this is going to be. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it weekly. I'm going to try. I'm trying to do it weekly just to give myself a deadline. And I think I'll stop when, um, when I'm done, when it, the story's done, I guess. And... Uh, yeah, that's um, that's what this podcast is going to be. I had cancer four times and I didn't die. So now what do I do? Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I don't have an audience in mind. I'm not expecting a whole bunch of people to listen to it. Uh, I think, you know... I'm a little, whatever, reflective right now, but sometimes I'm in a, a little more chatty mood, so hopefully it's not so uh, depressing. But I think it's going to be a little bit depressing. I mean, it's just, what well, it's kind of depressing to have cancer four times. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I was the guy... I don't know, there's this guy in Flagstaff, I don't know if you've seen this dude, he's like a, he runs like, he runs these like giant marathons, and he got a lymphoma, and so I kind of, you know, when you, my cancer radar, I have the cancer dar, so I can like, I'm on, his shit flagged, and uh, he's, he seems like a great dude, and he's just, you know, got chewed to bits by this disease, and, and then he just ran the Boston Marathon, and and I did that kind of thing, not that quite extreme, but, you know, I used to do, I used to go do CrossFit every day. I had chemo, just to be like, I, you know, I, Stuart Smith, right, was that, that's the, the C, yeah, C, yeah, DSPN dude, with the glass eye, that guy, he had a back cancer, and he would, he would do P90X, and I remember him saying that on chemo, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that. And that's how I was out the gate, like, fuck this thing, you ain't gonna get me, and uh, you know, just cowboy up or whatever. And I'm out of that. Like I, you know, I see these things. I'm like, well, that's awesome. Let's see what you're at on round four. And I feel like I did three rounds pretty solid. Each time is a little less. And you got a little less in the gas tank, and then the fourth was just like, fuck it, what? Whatever happens, happens. Like I'm, and now I feel super uh, gassed. And like the fight is just like, man, if I gotta fight again, shit. And there's been some scares, and I'm gonna talk about those scares too, because that's been, you know, a reality now that I've got to figure out how to deal with these scares in a way that's not the way I have been dealing with them. So, um, yeah, 
that's the podcast and welcome and um, I don't know what else is going to be it might turn into something else but try to keep the dead space to a minimum I think this was okay for a first round I think the levels are good the squeaky chair is going to be fun you guys are going to get to know my squeaky chair it's so squeaky and I don't notice it until I record things I'm like wow that's such a squeaky what a squeaky chair but it's a nice chair it's just squeaky I don't it doesn't matter that it's squeaky except right now maybe I'll have to use a different chair so I have some things to work out you guys some some quirks some details and uh, I don't think we'll have any guests <laughs> we'll try to get some celebrity guests or something that would be great but I, but I doubt it and so instead it'll be uh, you'll get a little song at the end and I hope you like it and if you don't that's okay too don't tell me if you don't like it only tell me if you like it and if you uh, if you're ambivalent that's fine that's also a chance to just not say anything I'm so uh, insecure about sharing the music to be honest because it feels uh, pretty, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not confident in them. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully you like them. And if you don't, that's okay. That is fine. And uh, there's the song tonight. It's a song I wrote for my kids. And it's like a lullaby. And I, I sang it to them tonight. I sang... Uh, to him every night uh, to go to sleep. When it's my turn, it's not always my turn. Right now we're reading uh, The Magician's Nephew, and then I sing some songs. Shy's working. Uh, maybe a little family stuff is good if you don't know me. Uh, married with uh, to a lovely partner who is a nurse practitioner and has uh, been a big part of my medical journey with her particular set of skills. And then we have a nine-year-old um, boy, and a Tyler, and a seven-year-old girl, Peyton. And Peyton's adopted and out of the foster care system, and uh, they're wonderful. And I had to take Peyton's ear, uh, earring backing out of her lobe. I don't know if you guys, girls with ear, the ear piercing has been a real, headache and uh, so I had to dig it out it was like a big hole in the back of her earlobe and it didn't hurt her so I was just like growing it like grew over the ear backing but earrings have been real traumatic for me she screams sometimes when they put them in and I'm like let's just stop why are we it's not worth it who cares we don't need earrings we don't need them that bad though it kind of has me wanting to get an ear piercing now I've never had one and I feel like you gotta do an ear piercing as a dude from the 90s. Like, I missed it, that's sad. Yeah, I missed it. I missed the earring, and I'm gonna do it now. I don't know if I'm gonna do it. Okay, um, so that's the song, and it's called Sun Kisses, and uh, it'll be right after this. And we'll see you next week. Squeaky chair.
Your 